The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King and welcome to the Mother's Market Radio Show, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, we're going to get some inside information on the secrets of vitamin makers, tell you what goes on into making and getting approval for dietary supplements, and help you know what to look for the next time you shop for vitamins. Plus, we'll tell you what's happening around town and give you a chance to win a $100 gift card. But first up, let's go behind the curtain. Yes, it's time to lift the veil on these vitamin companies and find out the truth. Sounds interesting, right? And we welcome back board-certified clinical nutritionist, Neil Levin. Neil is the nutrition education manager and a formulator for Now Foods. He has a diplomate in advanced nutritional laboratory assessment and is a professional member of the International and American Associations of Clinical Nutritionists. It is the past president of the American Nutrition Association, and we're very fortunate to be welcoming him to the Mother's Market Radio Show. Neil, how are you? Great. Hi, Kim. Before we get to today's topic, can you fill in our audience on your work and its mission? Sure. Um, I'm a nutrition educator for Now Foods and a formulator, so I'm working on those aspects of uh formulating and communicating the formulas. But I'm also involved in a role of sign-offs or approvals for good manufacturing practices that now govern all manufacturers of dietary supplements in the United States. And what that means is we must follow federal regulations, uh, make us do various things to make sure that our products are both safe and effective and that what is on the label is really in the product. Mm -hmm. So it's a very important thing that people should note that when you hear in the media sometimes the often repeated line that dietary supplements are unregulated, there's a hidden message missing. What the people are really intend to say is they are not regulated like drugs. There, there's an implication that dietary supplements need to be regulated just like drugs. And because they're in a bottle and they're pills often, does not make them drugs, does not give them the same safety record as drugs, which is pretty abysmal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, th- there's no reason to assume that they're dangerous when, in fact, all the studies, all the government reports show that they are not at all dangerous, in my opinion. Dietary supplements are the safest thing you can put in your mouth. They're safer than going and eating a meal, whether at home or in a restaurant. They're safer than drinking a bottle of water. Hmm. In, in terms of government statistics, poison control statistics, zero deaths from dietary supplements in the last full year on record when there's admittedly over 100,000 deaths from drugs that are used as prescribed and probably triple that from drugs that are not prescribed properly or not used as prescribed. Correct, and it's more than likely it's all how you manage them, right? Right. That's what you're here to talk about. Well, today we're talking about uh, how the secrets of vitamin makers, and we want to talk about, and we want to get started, uh, the legal aspects. What laws and regulations govern the safety and the quality of dietary supplements? Well, that's an important point because many critics of the dietary supplement industry and and the manufacturers say that a law passed in 1994 called the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act, or DSHEA, deregulated dietary supplements. In fact, it's absolutely provable that it gave the FDA even more power to impose rules on 
dietary supplement companies, and in fact, the good manufacturing practices, or GMPs I mentioned earlier, were authorized by that law. And the FDA has now implemented that and is restricting greatly the way that dietary supplement manufacturers operate. And it includes, we have to audit our, our suppliers of raw materials to make sure that they're following good manufacturing practices. We have to test incoming materials for safety and identity. We have to document everything we do uh, with sign-offs by multiple people, including quality control and purchasing or quality control and research and development, quality control and production. There's a redundancy and an auditable tra paper trail for everything that's done. When we produce a product, you can look at the lot number and code on the bottom of the bottle, and we know what machine it was run on, what time of day it was run, who was operating the machine, what product was run on the machine before that, what product was run on the machine after that, if there was any maintenance that machine during or before that, or the, the machine records are on there, uh, the sanitation of the machines, all these things are being controlled, as well as safety testing, identity testing, including finished products. So it also controls the label claims, by the way. Mm. So when you see these outrageous claims that a vitamin will help cure your disease, they're blatantly illegal. Mm. Uh, laws also ban that you have anything in the product that's not on the label. And when you hear about products that are adulterated with steroids or other drugs, uh, erectile dysfunction drugs uh, are, are often uh, one target, uh, steroids, that are often in sports products, not often, but you know, when, when the government complains about them, uh, they're, they're already illegal. Hmm. And my argument is, if someone's breaking the law, is the solution to impose new rules. If, if you're driving down the highway at 55 and someone passes you at 90, is the solution to put in a stop sign every mile or to lower the speed limit to 45, will that correct that guy going 90? They know they're breaking the law. Enforce the law. You don't need new laws. Mm -hmm. hmm. Wow. Well, would uh, testing standards apply to the dietary supplement industry and who sets them, I guess, would be the next question. Yeah, that's a little bit of a mixed bag because while the government requires safety and, and identity testing, they require each company to validate their own systems for doing that, mm -hmm. to justify what they're doing. So there's not a standard. And People have asked the FDA to put down clear standards and say it's only reasonable that you give us a standard that to apply. And the government doesn't do that. They're kind of standing back and seeing what everyone does. Mm. And it's a little strange because it gives the FDA a little more power to be arbitrary. Uh, their inspector doesn't have a clear rule and can kind of make up rules or or enforce it in the way they interpret it. And until there's enough experience and enough guidance from above in the agency, uh, there is gonna be uh, a difference in how the, the audits by the FDA and the agency regulation is applied in real life. But that doesn't mean they don't have the authority to regulate, they clearly do. They have the authority to come in just like an IRS audit, to go into a company and spend weeks there going through their records and watching them operate and with the food safety law that just got passed, they also have the authority to order recalls of products that are mislabeled or adulterated. Mm. So the testing practices, you got into a little bit about uh, what was 
uh, illegal, but universally required though, what are some of the other testing options? Well, when, when they say you have to test for identity, mm-hmm. there's often on natural products, not a standardized test. So you might pick for one company, one test and another company might test another way. And when some of these consumer organizations or other groups might want to test something that doesn't have a standardized test, they might not be using the same test that the manufacturer has validated as a reasonable test, but there's no official test. Mm-hmm. So they might use one instrumentation uh, at one company and a different kind of instrumentation at another where they're getting different types of results. Mm-hmm. And they're both legitimate. But until some standard is recognized, then uh, there could be different ways of doing it. And one solution is for companies to put on their label or their website how they're testing so so it's open and actually now foods is in the process of adding that to our website adding information about how each product is tested so consumers will kind of have an open view of what we're doing and can compare it to other companies where it that type of thing is not normally on product labels but Mm -hmm. we want to expand our website and we're actually in process of doing that to give that information to consumers so they have what they need excellent well, I think this is excellent information, and it's great that uh, you're exposing that, uh, especially on your website. And um, wonderful, great information, Neil. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. More of Mother's Market Radio show in a minute, so stay with us. We'll be right back. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high-quality, great-tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with her life stages. The first of its kind comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. Welcome back to the Mother's Market Radio Show. And we want to take the time to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or you can download the podcast from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click on the link for radio and listen to our past shows. Plus, you can always download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with board-certified nutritionist Neil Levin from Now Foods. We're talking about some of the secrets to vitamin makers. So, Neil, without any defined standards by the FDA, what is the solution? Well, the industry is trying to step in and help create a solution to create some of these standards. For example, uh, now food scientists have published methods for assaying glucosamine, chondroitin, SAMe, L-arginine. We just published a method on looking for adulterants that are often used in, uh, well, not often, but that are sometimes used in certain supplements, the erectile dysfunction drugs, the steroids, uh, and so forth, where they should not be in the products. They are illegally uh, marketed drugs rather than dietary supplements by definition. 
So if you can find those in the raw materials, then you're not going to make products that are contaminated with these type of things. Uh, if, if there's a published standard, and we're also working with the AOAC, the Organization of Analytical Chemists, which works under FDA mandate to publish methods for measuring dietary supplements, for identifying them and, and quantifying them, uh, their strength and potency, et cetera. So the AOAC journal publishes methods as well, and now scientists have also been involved in not only publishing our own methods, but validating other people's methods to show that it's replicable and a narrow range of results where it's a, a legitimate, robust test. So the industry is trying to step in and create standards, but it's a slow process. Mm -hmm. I mean, it often takes two or three years for this publication thing to go through and to validate these things where they become official. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the official method for glucosamine was the Now Foods method that, was, that we developed. I think we're the only vitamin maker who, are, who actually hire PhD scientists who develop methods. But when we buy a raw material, we are required by the FDA and by federal regulations to be able to prove, if we're challenged, that we have that amount in that product through the expiration date. So if they pick up a bottle off the shelf and test it, we have to show them that we have a validated test method, whether there's a standard one or not, and that we have the right amount of the right thing in there and nothing that doesn't belong there. Uh, also regarding safety, uh, heavy metal testing is becoming more common, but it's still not a usual type of test that okay. people use. The micro-testing, testing for microbiological contamination, is not a common thing, but now Foods does that routinely on our raw materials also, uh, and, and more and more companies do that. So looking at the safety and efficacy of the raw materials is the responsibility of the manufacturer, but they have to document that if they're audited, and many companies have third-party auditors as well as the FDA auditing them, which again helps them to perfect their practice of documenting everything and doing everything properly that they're, they're following these strict good manufacturing practices that assure the, the quality, the safety, and the efficacy of their products. Mm. Well, thank goodness that you have all of these folks to back you up there. But, okay, so let's, we were talking about raw materials. Where are raw materials sourced from, and what are their greatest concerns? Well, raw materials come from all over the world. They come from where they come from in many cases. We have uh, f super fruits coming from South America or from Hawaii or from uh, Asia, for example. We have uh, uh, materials coming from Australia, from a lot of the uh, normal vitamins, uh, minerals, and uh, the very simple things that are used in vitamins come from the Far East. Japan, Korea, Taiwan, China are the main sources of them. Uh, there's herbs that come from Europe or from Siberia or from India. Uh, the important thing is that you have uh, strict specifications, that you have tests to make sure that those specifications are met and that your products are safe and are what they say they're going to be. And it doesn't matter if they're coming from China or Iowa. And in fact, uh, because of the strict scrutiny of vendors that now foods does we have fewer rejections of raw materials from chinese suppliers than from american suppliers and we've we've all seen in america that there's been uh contaminated uh peanuts with with toxins in there and 
contaminated sprouts and everything. Just because it's made in America doesn't necessarily mean it's safe. And just because it's made in China doesn't necessarily mean it's unsafe. Mm -hmm. uh, we treat everyone like they're China, and we test and retest and qualify our vendors and audit them. And we want to make sure that what we're producing is the highest quality, and we want to be open on our labels and our website so people know what we're doing mm -hmm. so they can judge for themselves if it's good enough for them. Mm, excellent. What are some of the environmental contaminants and economic adulterants that manufacturers have to test for? Well, there's about 70 of these things that we're looking for that are known to us. And we have scientists on the industry panels and the AOAC panel and things like that where we know what the common adulterants are. For example, there's a, a, an herb called ginkgo mm -hmm. that is often used for circulation, memory, that kind of thing. Uh, one of the constituents that occur naturally in ginkgo is a bioflavonoid called rutin, which is very healthy. But if you spike ginkgo with rutin because it's cheaper than the ginkgo, you're no longer getting the kind of ginkgo that you're expecting to get. You're getting the wrong thing. And in fact, we're looking for the proportions of these constituents to make sure that it matches our standard and that it's not spiked. Hmm. Uh, we're also looking for melamine and protein. And that was something that came up with the uh, Chinese spiking their dairy products. Not that we're buying dairy products from them, but um, melamine is something that we're looking for routinely in our dairy products and our proteins to make sure that they've not been spiked with this. Uh, these are economic adulterants. Sometimes they're toxic, sometimes they're even healthy, but if they're not what the raw material is supposed to be and it's not gonna make our label accurate, we wanna screen for it and we wanna find it. Well, that's great. That, that is wonderful that you're doing that, and that's being 100% accountable. What are the trademarked ingredients, and how do they relate to the product quality? Yeah, that's actually a good indicator, because if you want to look at the difference between brands, the easiest way to detect the difference is to take the same raw material and see how each brand is offering it. So if you take a trademark ingredient, and, and it has a trademark symbol, most labels will say trademark of such and such company, it's like if you buy a car mm -hmm. and you want to swap the stereo and you want to put a Sony stereo or a Pioneer stereo or whatever brand in, you can swap that stereo and it's, it's the Sony stereo. It comes from Sony. It's not, it doesn't matter if you buy a Ford or a Mazda or, or whatever, a Honda. It's the same radio. Mm -hmm. and, and the trademark ingredients are the same thing for dietary supplements. We're buying a branded material that comes from a single supplier. They have a monopoly on that name and that product. And so the raw material is not different in any brand that offers it. And you know, there's brands of chromium and antioxidants and uh, uh, various other things that you can buy that are, that, that are brand names. They do their own advertising, they do testing, they do clinical trials on their products to create a demand. And they sell it to various companies like us. So we offer it and put it out on the market. And many other brands might have the exact same branded raw material, uh, ingredient. And so there is no difference in quality between the active ingredient in these products. If there's a difference in price, if there's a difference in how it's, what it's formulated with, uh, if one's in a V-cap and one's in a gelatin cap, if one uses starch as a base and the other uses a, a more natural base that's synergistic, those are characteristics of the company's values and what it's doing. And 
for consumers, this is an easy way to look at apple to apple comparison of price. Mm -hmm. Because if the price is different, it's not because of the quality of the in active ingredient. It's because of the overhead and profit structures of that company. Mm -hmm. And you could easily see how they're different by looking at those single ingredient branded materials. Absolutely. Wow. What other certifications are relevant to manufacturing dietary supplements? Well, one is organic certification. And a lot of companies might say organic on the label. Mm -hmm. And you're required to follow the Department of Agriculture Natural Organic Program standard, the NOP standard, and with the rules. But just like the good manufacturing practices have a third-party certifier who reviews and audits for you, so does the organic program. And there are several certifiers authorized by the USDA to certify these materials. And what this means is they, they audit the paper trail from farm to us and including our practices to make sure that organics are segregated throughout and are, are not going to be mixed up with conventional foods uh, and, and ingredients. So it, it's an assurance to the consumer that someone besides us is verifying that the material is what we are saying it is in terms of being organic. And the same would go for kosher, where a kosher certifier would look at the plant practices and certify a product. Um, they're, they're certifiers for quality and, and various other things. So the, the third-party certifications are another level of assurance to the consumer that someone is auditing and watching what the manufacturer does and you're not just taking their word for it. That's, so that's the bottom line, yes. basically. Yeah, that's, well, and excellent. It is, that's great. I, I love what you guys are doing, and, and, that's, and it's about time, and, and I love that it's 100% um, accountable. Yes. Good for you. Well, thank you so very much for your time, Neil. We look forward to having you on again. In the meantime, you can catch more of Neil by reading his blog at honestnutrition.com. You can like him on his Honest Nutrition Facebook page and follow him on his Twitter account at Neil E. Levin and learn more about his expert nutritional advice at nowfoods.com. We look forward to our next visit. Thank you. Thank you. If you've ever enjoyed the delicious food inside our kitchen, you may have tried this tasty dish. Now you can make it yourself. This recipe is for black bean chili with lime cream sauce. The preparation time is about 30 minutes and it makes six servings. You start with a pound of cooked black beans, one half cup white onion diced, one half cup green bell pepper diced, one half cup red bell pepper diced, one cup fresh diced tomatoes, two tablespoons olive oil, one tablespoon cumin, three cloves of garlic peeled and minced, one teaspoon chili powder, one teaspoon paprika, one teaspoon oregano, one teaspoon Tabasco sauce, one bunch of fresh cilantro minced, and two cups of tomato puree canned. There's also lime cream sauce, which contains one cup of low-fat sour cream, the juice from one lime, and grated zest from half of a lime. So the first step is to clean your black beans and place them in a pot filled three quarters of the way with water, and you cook them on the stove over a low fire for approximately one hour or until soft in the middle, and drain the water and set your black beans aside. And in the pot, you're going to place the olive oil and add the garlic and spices. 
until fragrant. Add all the vegetables and cook five to eight minutes or until tender. Then add back in the black beans, the tomato puree and Tabasco. Allow all the ingredients to simmer over a low fire for 25 minutes. Serve with two tablespoons of the lime cream sauce on the top and it goes great with Mexican style rice and a salad. This is black bean chili with lime cream sauce by Mother's Market and Kitchen. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market radio show and for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.